You're listening to a bonus episode of The Dairy Age, featuring Chagisk's weekly Let's Talk Dairy webinar series, which is also available as a podcast. Welcome to Let's Talk Dairy. Uh, myself, John Douglas. Uh, James has, has uh, he's, he's, gone, he's gone away for a week, so um, don't worry. I don't think he's done a ride to Hubbard, to be honest, just yet. I think we'll see his face again next week. All right, so uh, I'm joined this week by a special guest, Lorcan Dooley. Uh, Lorcan is one of the, the top dairy advisors in the country, and Lorcan, you're very welcome. Thanks, the, thanks uh, John. Thanks for having dairy. me. You're here to discuss, I suppose, where the focus should be on dairy farms for June, um, what you're observing from clients over the last few weeks, and maybe what they're thinking about for the few weeks ahead. Uh, you're based in the Port Leash office, and you have a lot of experience, I suppose, success, successfully helping farmers improve their efficiency and profitability on the farm. And uh, I'm sure all your leash farmers would agree with that, Lorcan. Uh, so, Lorcan, maybe just to start off, um, set the scene for us. I suppose what are the, what are the good the good dairy farmers or the top dairy farmers? What are they focused on for for June? Well, John, look, thanks thanks again for for having me on this. And um, I think I think it's look it's to, to kick off. It's been a, it's been a difficult year so far for every farmer. We you know we went from. From from wood to dust very quickly there in the last couple of weeks. But um what the top farmers I see, I suppose, are dealing with at the minute, what the big conversation piece seems to be around is um quality, grass quality. So we yeah, look, drought and we, we can that D word say we're we're not we're not there yet. Like leash, as you said, it is it is dry and you know there's 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 some very dry farms, but it's for a small county, there's a massive variation, massive variation between soil types, between areas and also in within farm so we have some of the we can have some heavy very heavy ground and some very dry ground next to it you know there's no there's no set farm as such and uh i, I think you know farmers what they're doing now is they're trying to get cows on that 1400 cover and that's that's getting challenging now so we had in the last round i think a lot of bales taken off and there's nice after grass coming but still there's quite a few heavy paddocks I was on um, one farm the other day there, and he look what what you consider maybe a somewhat um, dry farm, but he's still bombing grass. You know, he's 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 grown was a seventy five eighty there, and um, his big issue was just 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 this hairy paddocks there. He's he's great after grass coming back from some of the fields. He he took off bales, but other other paddocks is issue. So what what he's going to try to do there? He's aware. Look, there's. There's going to be a slowdown with the way the weather's predicted and everything, but he he's 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 trying to correct it because he's very very focused this year. The, the key for him is to get into those fourteen hundred covers and, and try and make a bit of saving around um, the amount of feed that he's feeding the cows around the meal. So he's doing a small bit of pre-mowing. He's picked three three paddocks that he's going to pre-mow this round, and, and he's stopping at that. So you know the the temptation there is to go and start pre-mowing every paddock for for this whole round. But you know he's he's kind of aware there that we we don't want to really cut back. You know you, you are going to hit growth rates, regrowths if you're yeah. in the pre mowing. So he's he's just picking a few to try fix, and he's hopeful. You know next round or two that be it, if we get a drought, sure it's not an issue. He'll clean out paddocks anyway. But um, yeah, you know he, he hoping he'll, he'll get a chance to take out some bales with a bit of after grass coming back. From from first from the first uh, first coat silage as well that he's going to be able to graze. So that that grass quality piece will be a big one, um, and just trying to maintain that. Just with with that big focus this year, we have with groups especially is you know around trying to 
keep that uh, cost down, you know, with, with the way meat prices. But the other the other bits, look, I, I'm familiar a lot of farmers. Well, look, we've had a base campaign there just to get the, the single farm payment done. And uh, guys are tired. So I would be saying, I think the biggest focus on a lot of good farms is to try and um, take a break now. So even even look ideally get away for a week but some farmers you might you might you might july august might be when your holidays booked with kids and whatnot but yeah absolutely nothing wrong with john you know even just to get a weekend away just take you know two two days off even if you don't go anywhere just get away from the farm reset get the head right because there's probably very few farmers have got many days off up until now just with the way the year has been and uh i think that's really important just yeah reset you know and uh yeah it's kind of like if you if you get a good night's sleep after maybe a few rough nights or something like that a cab and you get a good night's sleep you're a lot fresher that day so but if you've gone over a period of months there where you're just working 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 same thing applies a few days yeah. just refreshing you up yeah it's amazing because even now like you know we're, we're at the stage where we're talking about mid recording again and uh just talking to different guys that that you know they might have their their milk recording earlier in the year done but they they look they look and it's say, right there's the top five cows for cell count I need to I need to call call these or fix these you know solve this problem and then that's it but there's a mountain of paper or you know paper there reports there that we can look at and I think if you if you can take a bit of a break now get your milk recording done you come back fresher and you can kind of t- stick the head up there and start thinking long term for your farm and start looking at these reports and, and getting really valuable information off them and I know. Don Crowley has a, a fantastic bit on this, just just going through what what kind of bits you can get out of those reports. But um, so, what what would be the few key bits for look for in these reports, uh, Lorcan? Yeah, look, like, like the obvious the obvious one, I think what, what what tends to happen is we we look at we look at cell count and we look at what 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 what, what few cows are high for cell count. That's it, you know. And we don't look at any other reports. But you know, at the end of the day, even. I know, I know, breeding is is um, we're well into it, but still, there's time there to, you know, if you if you can identify cows that aren't performing and consistently haven't been performing, be it for look yield, fats, proteins, wh- whatever way you want, we really don't want to be breeding off those. So there's the scope there to earmark cows for for beef bulls or even just for culling going down the line, you know. And uh, the, the, there's a lot of there's a lot of information there, even if we look at. You know how how did how did the spring go? If we if we we see the overall big picture, you know, there's maybe a lot of um, selected dry cow went on or different issues around that. And you know how how did we how did we perform? We we had, a lot of people had to house cows in March again, uh, and what did that do for for my uh, cow? What did it do for my performance? And what lessons can I learn from that? So, <clears throat> so it's kind of a bit of a there's a bit of reflection on the spring, I suppose. That yeah. could there there might be time to have a bit of that reflection on the spring. As to how it went, what yeah. I could, what could I do better next year, or what could I set up for myself better long term? Yeah, because like, you know yourself, John, do the, the whole conversation there over the last few months when we were talking about, you know, talking about in March there collapsing protein. We why why is it gone so bad? What's happened? And uh, sure, the reality was there was, there was just too much bad silage there. There, was, there wasn't enough good silage to to keep those cows right, and um, that's definitely something I think on farm now when you talk about what, what are some of the more progressive farmers doing I think after that there's a big focus on making quality silage and yeah. we've done it like if you if you see there starting mid-May like there was a lot of silage made even at this stage it was the first of June I'd say 90 90% of silage is done at this stage so it's yeah it, it's going to be excellent quality and um, 
even I see, you know, there was a determination there to to, to make it right. So uh, nitrogen was tested. It was given that extra couple of days to, you know, get through the system. We, we gave them good wills. Every, every, look, I'd have to say that I think there's going to be fantastic quality silage. Now, yield-wise, not bad. There's, uh, the general gist of it was people were nearly surprised that they, they didn't think it was going to be as good as it was. So we were yeah. eating, you know, nine, ten bales to the acre, that kind of thing. So, and is that is that um that would have been on fields that or paddocks that got grazed this spring, Lorca? Because I know there's there seems to be, it was a bit higgledy piggledy there for a while. Guys had some of the silage ground got grazed, some of it didn't with the weather in March. So they were thinking like, should they cut some of it earlier because it didn't get grazed and and all that. So do you think overall yields and quality are pretty good? Yeah, um, I do. I do. Look, I know. I know what you're saying. There was there was some paddocks there, and it could have been. October since it was grazed and there was a bit of a dead material but look we got fantastic weather it was still early you know a lot of people that had that type of grass that wasn't grazed at all were able to go in mid mid May and get it in and get it in good and then some of that Super. stuff that was grazed earlier in this year like obviously that's going to be fantastic stuff so there's, yeah. there's, there's, there's no I do I think it's good I think it's it's probably you talk about what, what's happening and the other bit of I suppose homework that needs to be done is just looking at um, your own situation. So how much silage have you got? Uh, have You have an idea, I suppose, of what second coats are going to be like and what do we need to do to, to change it if, if we're in butter. And the thinking, the thinking here would be, look, we want to keep making this good quality silage. So we have it for the wanelands, we have it for milking cows, and we're... We're producing more and more, I suppose, milk off off silage, be it because you know we, we have shorter uh, dry cow periods and the different issues around stocking rate and that. That you know, so we we do yeah. need we do need that good quality silage. And I know some of the guys that have done the sums, what they're what they're planning, they're happy enough to have this good silage. They'll have a decent second cut also, but then they they they're, they're going to try and buy a bit of hay or straw just. Just to you know, dilute this silage for any of those dry cows feed or you know overweight cows, different things like that. They're 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 much happier to have the the quality feed than opposed to having poor quality silage. They, you know they feel they can stretch the quality feed because what they really got burnt with was having bad silage and then having to try improve that with meal, which is you yeah. know over four hundred tons. So it was just really really burnt them. So. I think the thing and, and even with that in cases it wasn't working yeah no no sure look there's only so much you can do and uh, you don't want sickening cows so uh, definitely that's that's a big one John going yeah. down the line I think that's that's changed and even even we look at that um, red clover silage scheme I have quite a few guys that are after putting in a bit of red clover and they, they're they're actually very very happy with it so far and I know look it's the first year and you, you yeah. know it, it's going to tell how long will it last, how long won't it last. But um, that's also another another key area where yields are good, and I think it's going forward. It's going to be a great great option for reducing our nitrogen and, and making a bit of a save in that way. Uh, for maybe being able to target a bit more nitrogen on other fields or paddocks that need it. You know, would you would you feel the farmers in your groups uh, like after this year have they are the silage pits more empty than other years, Larkin? Yeah, yeah. So if we if we look at it, say we were talking about in March, we were getting tight. Like on farms, there was a lot of farms that were looking at the backs of walls, and even probably uh, some farms where there was stock out, be it young stock, they, they just they just had to get them out because they wanted to ensure that they were fed. Um, 
So, so they were definitely, and I'd say, look, weather's been kind now. Growths are good, and there was you know paddocks taken off there in the last month as well as you know your 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 typical first coat silage. But um, there's going to be a big push there, fill pits, and to, to really start being proactive now. Yeah, and get you know trying to get maybe look at your options. Yeah, trying to even just get some second coat silage off maybe neighbors or different things that that have enough or. You know, get that hay, get that straw. Now, rather, you know, over the next couple of months, rather than trying to get it at the winter time. Yeah, I think that word "proactive" is a big word when it comes to secure winter fodder this this um, this coming winter. I suppose mm-hmm. that a lot of the reserve is gone, and guys, I think feel confident that they would make enough to replace what they need, but that that reserve might not be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think that's where yeah that needs to be proactive on that. Yeah, yeah, even like. The, the, the hot process now, I think a lot of guys, is, yeah, that reserve, that extra month's feed, that's what they're trying to target. Like. And so what are your guys doing that are fertilizing for second coat Lorcan? Because um, obviously I know it's mm-hmm. it's gone dry and, you know, maybe guys have been the last week question whether you should put slurry out on it and what what do you see yeah. going on? Good question, John. Like, it's um it's a million-dollar question, isn't it? Is everyone's thinking it. What, what, what I've seen happening was, um, so look, mid, mid-May, silage coat, that got full fertilizer allocation. Do you know what I mean? Um, not yeah. an issue, got your 60 units of nitrogen, whatever, um, or your 2,000 gallons of slurry. At this stage, what's happening really is, like even even fields that were cut a week ago, we can see they're still greening up. So th- th- there's growth there. Yeah, exactly. We, we want to take advantage of that growth. So on the the, the drier farms, uh, or the drier fields, let's just say fields rather than farms, the drier fields, what they're doing, they're, they're going down the route of split application. So they're going with half it now. We'll see how the, the weather pans out and then they're going to top it up again. And look, it's, it's, I think it's a nice option. It's safe. Um, it's a bit of a nuisance, obviously, having to go twice, but it's it's a bit more of a nuisance if uh, if we get into a serious drought and you have all your fertilizer gone out and you, you end up having to zero graze in some of it or, you know, graze some of it. So I, I, I think it's... Um, it's the safest bet just to go yeah. with that, that, that split application. I think it can work quite well. Very good. Very good. But but like I wouldn't, for a lot of farms, there's really good growth still there. I wouldn't be afraid of putting out fertilizer still. That's, that's no. my, my attitude anyway. No, and uh, yeah, and that's we might come back to that just in a, mm. in a second. Just on, uh, you touched on breeding there. I just want to go back to it for a sec. For guys like what, if if you any farmers there, you know maybe with no cows bred yet, what are what's the, what things could they do maybe to to get more get get the hundred percent of your cows and calf or try their best to do that. Yeah, yeah. So like it's it's I suppose we're getting to that stage now where there is there is those problem cows and look ideally ideally I suppose we would have loved to pick them up closer to you know pre breeding would have maybe either done a pre-breeding scan or, or gone at maybe pre-breeding heat detection and tried to pick them that bit earlier. But but look, there's still time. I, I think the, the easiest thing really is just to be it that five, five, ten percent that haven't been bred yet, haven't seen anything. Just look, just get get the get the vet, get them scanned, whatever. You know what I mean, John? Just yeah. You keep it simple. But you do you do need and it comes back to that proactive thing. You need to do something. You know, you can't I I, I think it's a it's a waste to let them fall through the system. But um over overall, I think breeding has gone very well. Um, just just talking to different different farmers there, and uh, the submission rates were good. And like everyone's afraid to say it, but conception rates seem to be there's not there's not a big number of repeats 
they are on the ground. They don't see an awful lot of repeats. And even where a lot of people have switched to using a, a good bit more sex even and different things, they seem happy. Like there's not, there's not a, I'm not hearing the horror stories that you, you know, you, you'd often hear around it. I think that there's a bit more awareness about how to, how to use it properly. And even with heifers and sink programs and stuff, I, I think it's actually, it's, a, it's gone, it's so far so good. Look, I, I, I know cows. Great to hear you. Yeah, they haven't been stressed, and uh, I just seen it there on in the weather. We're talking about twenty five degrees and different things, but maybe maybe we'll we'll start to come into a bit more stressful period. But I, I, we're more aware now of these high heats, and you know, make sure they have shade. Yeah, there's been a lot of work done on like even getting uh, you know water pipes and stuff upgraded to make sure cows have good access to to water yeah. and that the flow is there if there's a big demand for water and stuff like that yeah and it's still you know nights are cool and stuff and it gives gives yeah. cows a chance to cool off and the only the only thing i suppose maybe to keep an eye out is um just your bull like there's there's quite a few people would have maybe bulls out at this stage and uh just that he's still he's still doing the business while uh with this kind of heat you know he, he can he could get stressed in this kind of heat when he has a yeah. good number of cows to look after so some some people will go down the road just maybe going back with a bit of ai for those hot days just yeah just, just to avoid that lull and keep it keep it going yeah exactly i've um i think it's no harm now i actually have a couple of guys this year now we had a, we had a meeting there and what they've done they've gone down the route of um heat detection aids so they're using collars and boluses uh for the first time and you know this is going forward going to be more and more popular with feature TAMS grants and just proof technology and um, yeah I would have to say that the, the feedback from them they're very happy with it they would have said that look there's, there's no they haven't found so far any big difference in actually picking up the cows but the big benefit they find is actually just reduced workload at a busy yeah. time of the year they just didn't have to go tailpaying and they didn't have to go observing heats or anything like that so that's that's kind of just the, the feedback around around those aids. And I also, which I thought was interesting, we had one farmer who was, we were at a group meeting and he was in his third year now with the colours. And he just said that two of the farmers were talking about, you know, going full AI for, for this year. And he was just making the point that he, he went full AI. Uh, the first year he went full AI, he thought, look, he got fantastic um, kind of response from the, the callers because he was later in the year he was picking up those cows that were going to be hard to pick up because there wasn't a whole lot of activity but he also said that he found that there was a few a few cows that you know they got AI a couple of times but they didn't go in calf he had a slightly higher uh, empty rate and what he put it down to was that you know when you look back at his records those particular cows always went in calf to the bull so the, the, you know, there, there, there can be some cows for that first year if you are going full AI, maybe just to be aware that there can be maybe a slightly higher empty rate because there's, there'll be a few cows that'll have to fall out of the system that might just not work for AI. I just, I just thought it was interesting just to, yeah. just, just, just to make that point that to be aware of that for your own farm, maybe just that you maybe have enough. And again, that comes back to monitoring and looking through your, have your reports there and be knowing what to look for and that sort of stuff as well. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it's just, you know, can you, it's just something to keep in mind. And uh, then then I suppose the, the other the big talk now is around this new genomic program, John. So, like, um, it's only being announced and the, the details aren't there yet. But um, we have some some people are already in a genomic, you know, to genomically testing all their stock. But it looks like they're going to be putting some funding towards testing all, all the cows. And I think that's going to have massive uptake. I think guys are really going to be keen on getting involved with that. And... Uh, Great to hear, yeah. 
Yeah, yeah, it will be great. Look, the, the big thing, the big feedback we get from anyone that starts genomically te- testing is the, the number of sires they got wrong with cows. They're always surprised uh, uh, what, what cows are of. They, you know, it's a bit of a mix up there. And there's a big benefit there from just even an inbreeding point of view. But um, the other area I think that's going to get more and more popular is like a lot of farmers now are using more beef straws, AI, high genetic murder, dairy, you know, DBI, dairy beef uh, bulls that have really good, you know, carcass values, be it 15 kilos plus. So look, we, we have these, we have these farmers that, you know, are using good straws now and they want to, I suppose, get that premium payment. And I think for, for anyone buying calves, if you're, you know, you're buying a genomically tested calf, you know, the bull, you know, you know, it's an AI calf. I'd say going forward, John, there's going to be more and more guys buying, looking looking at the paper figures more so than even just the calf themselves. And uh, I think this is something that you know you can you can give a bit more assurance to a buyer if you if you haven't genomically tested. So I, I think that's that's going to be a massive uptake on that. Okay. Uh, yeah. No, I think it'll be good now. So I just want to go back. There's a couple of questions in Lorcan and. Uh... We'll, we'll, we can answer them together, but I'll just shout them out here. So yeah. Adrian has asked there, my farm is facing into drought. Grass is under stress and quality is falling, like what you were talking about the grass quality earlier. And he says, I have no option but to graze heavy covers. Uh, how much should I be feeding at this point to feed the cows adi- adequately? Um, so that's that's sort of one part of the of the question. If you're on, if you have to graze some heavier covers, like maybe somewhere between 1,600, 2,000, because you're you're um you're running maybe out of grass and you can't take those paddocks out how much should we be feeding with that what would your what would you see has been the best response yeah look it's, it's, it's a good question it's like how long is a piece of string and, and there's a lot of caveats there about the, what what your stock you know what type of cow you have what 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 they're doing yield wise and everything but i suppose the, the key message there which i was trying to push with say my groups was that if we have quality grass, so John, as you were saying, you know, your 1400s, there's fantastic scope there to reduce meal, go back to your maybe two kilos, two, three kilos, depending on the cow, say. Yeah. Um, now, if you're hitting your 16, 1800s, the reality is like you could be talking about three, three, three or four kilos. To, if, if You know, if you have the right cow. You get the same output. You get the same output. The grass quality. You get the same response, you know. Um, yeah. So. The, but that comes at a higher cost then. So it's uh, kind of like, where do you sit then within that? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's 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 difficult to just give uh, uh, one one answer fit, yeah. fits all, but um, definitely I would say like those 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 heavier covers on for guys that are really being hit with say drought and maybe you know some of the very very dry farms probably are. What I personally like seem doing some people do to try balances is maybe say look you hit that with your 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 evening graze and say you go into your your heavier cover strip strip of that and then you're going on a lighter cover maybe just yeah. to try balance it out a bit so then you're probably not really changing the meal that much then on that really no no it's not no. Look, it's, 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 it's it's marginal to be honest with you yeah exactly the grass is the, the majority of the diet there so anyway so yeah i think i think, so, I, think I just try balance it as best i could with some from good quality grass with that with that poor quality or that's great advice yeah and what would you say now, so for guys, uh, this farmer again is, is trying out, and I'm, I'm going to ask the question because we're going to talk about this anyway, but so for where farm covers maybe have dropped and we actually need to slow down and drop, reduce demand, and maybe obviously there's there's good things we can move. If there's heifers on the block or other stock on the block, try and get them off. We can bring back in some some uh, 
ground that was maybe closed off for silage for grazing. But if that's, I suppose, after those options are have been, I suppose, um, gone through, we're back to, I suppose, feeding the cow. And what do you think is the best, you know, maybe economically and, and also practically, people forget the practical element of this feeding the cow as well, and it's yeah. going to be different for every farm, but what do you think is a good balance, I suppose, for, for I know we're probably like a six, 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 six and six scenario, Lorcan, like, but what do you think, what has worked best for guys in, in leash over the last couple of years? Because I know they've suffered drought at different times. Yeah, look, it's like that, as you said, look, it all depends on the farm and there's, there's different farms of different situations. Some of the really, really dry farms where, where covers start to melt, what tends to happen is that the lesson they've learned is just graze on and try to get through it uh, while it's still there. Um, but in general, you know, for, for, for your typical farms, what I see really working well, like, there's a reason you took those good quality bales in baby in the last round or the round before that. You know, you, you took paddocks out and, and the reason you have those quality bales is for drought situations, John. Like it's we can try to hold on to everything and uh, think we'll, we'll use them at a different stage, but don't be afraid to use them, I think. And um yeah. I, I think look, the easiest thing is to go with your 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 couple of really nice bales that you've made. And it's amazing how much those bales can stretch it. You know, 30, 40 bales could get you through a drought, depending on your, your, your herd size. But, you know, so you're looking at your, your meal, your bales and your grass, right? You're going to try to keep, keep it as close to that as possible. Keep some grass in the diet anyway is key there. And um, then after that, what, what are you looking at? You're really, you've stock gone, maybe maybe bringing in some of the, the second coat in the form of uh, zero grazing, but... You know, it's 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 not ideal, really. I, I think the preference for me will be to use those good bales that you've made if you haven't. Super, that's good advice. So, look, there's a couple of things, I suppose, if for farms that are drying, um, drying out a bit, we are looking at, you know, we need to hold rotation length probably 20 to 25 days. And so that's, that means basically you split your farm up into to maybe, uh, you know, 4% of your farm every day. That would be a 25-day rotation. So if you've, very simple maths, if you have 100 acres, you graze four a day and you go through the farm that way. We are trying to hold that farm cover above 500 and that's why it's so key to actually walk your farm to know that that's where it is or that's if it's dropped below that, you you really need to probably go a little bit harder. But I don't think anyone's in that situation yet. We're talking probably a little bit about what we should be doing next week, probably lurking more than this week because this week is still okay we don't want to jump the gun on this because what we do end up is with a lot of like heavy covers everywhere then if we if we react too early and that just leads to grass quality issues all over the farm yeah look the, the fear there and just in the question like the fear is that you're 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 afraid of a drought in two weeks time so you're going to stay grazing heavy covers now yeah uh, you know and, and you're just getting yourself bogged down and then and then you get a lot of labor involved in that getting you know, that back right yeah yeah so i i just think i think to be honest i i I, 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 as you said, you have to walk it because just in leash now, I'm going to use the leash as an example. Between high dry matters, really good clean outs, and uh, growth rates, like things are still going okay this week. Yeah. You know, we've been a week or two of it anyway. And, uh, you know, whatever happens, then we'll have a much better idea next week. Um, if we, you know, if we're starting to hit the soil moisture deficits of the 50s, as we said, and, you know, growth starts to come back, and we see in the weather that we've another two weeks or no rain predicted in the future, like fair yeah. enough. Like you're still yeah. predicting 50s in around the 50s and 60s for a lot of farms next week. So yeah. I think with the good farm cover that's there, they'll do that, do you know? 
and, and there's cover on the farm. So just as one final question uh, there, on, it's on the, it's back to the fertiliser we were talking about earlier. So uh, how long does the protection last in protected urea? So that is uh, urea will, when it's applied, as soon as it hits the, I suppose, the atmosphere, there's a volatilization and that reduces, or the, sorry, that releases nitrogen into the atmosphere. So that protection actually stops that part. That usually happens over the first uh, few hours. So that protection that's on the urea will actually last a couple of days. So therefore, it reduces substantially the amount of loss. So after that, like even normal urea, if it's sitting on the ground there after uh, after a couple of days, it's not really losing it. It's lost it all in the first in the first few hours, most of it. So um, so will it stay there? Yeah, it will stay there. Um, in the fields with good cover, there's a good, is that enough to get fertilizer into the ground? Um, I would say on, on heavier soils or wet, wetter, clayer soils probably is enough to get it in. On drier, sandy soils, maybe not. So, look, we're, we're looking at maybe drought-prone areas again, going back with some parlor washings, collecting yard stuff, maybe a little bit of that sort of stuff on the drier paddocks and keep a low amount. We're talking maybe 15 to 20 units. That's all we're talking about uh, per acre uh, at the moment going on. Some of the heavier paddocks that are still, as, you, as, as Lorcan said, still growing. Still grow, look, when it's grown, I think spread it, and when it stops growing, stop spreading it. And if it's yeah. if it's slowing down a lot, just cut back on your fertilizer. Then you know, yeah. you reduce reduce rates. I think it'll work really well. Yeah. So, look, Lorcan, we might finish up there. We've done our we've done our, our half now. We've we made it through. We're both novices here this morning, so we made it through. <laughs> so thanks very much for that. I suppose to summarize, it's getting grass quality right, and maybe anticipate next week have a plan with rotation length and farm cover. And, and feeding on your farm as to how you're going to do that if things are getting dry but um, still correcting grass quality for a lot of farms that are still growing well so that would be what was my key takeaway on that um, what, uh, what, what would your one or, you, one or two just to summarise key points then what else yeah no John absolutely look great points and then I suppose the, the key thing there is get that look get that milk recording done I think take some time to off as a farmer, look, you need to take it. Um, you busy, busy spring, and then just look maybe at trying to do a bit of planning then for the rest of the year, be it for silage, be it for finishing out your breeding, be it for stock stocking rates. Is it's time to take a break and then start doing a bit of planning for setting yourself up for the rest of the year. Even look, we didn't touch on it, John, but there's, there's got to be big issues around um, we cash flow, big tax bills coming down the line, and. You know, mid price the way it is, we know profitability is going to be quite back quite a lot. So I think there's a, there's a good bit of work around planning out the rest of the year and planning next spring. Which starts to think about at the end of this one, but you know, it all needs to, it all needs to happen. And um, I, I think the guys that will do it sooner be proactive, be it meet with um, be a meeting with accountants, whatever it is. It, it all it, if we can do it earlier, we're not we're not left with any big surprises at the back end of the year. Super Lorcan. And there's just one question came in while you were talking about um just on the on where demand is well ahead of growth, is the priority priority to make second cut silage or feed the cow? Um i.e. you set cut silage ground for grazing or zero graze to keep grass in the diet rather than silage concentrates. Um or rather than feeding silage and concentrates. So I suppose the grass is on the ground, feed it to the cow when she needs it if you don't have anything else. And you always have options to do something else for the future. 
Um, but I suppose the key priority is to make sure we're feeding the cow now. So we might leave it there, uh, Lorcan, on that. So, yeah. Lorcan, as always, it's been a pleasure to talk to you. I always get lots of tips uh, from you know from yourself and the knowledge and experience that you have. And I think our, our viewers have taken a lot away from, from today's episode as well. So I'd like to thank you. And uh, I suppose our fingers are crossed for some rain to fall, yeah. especially in those dry farms over the next week or two. Uh, so join in again when James will be back next week on Let's Talk Dairy. That's all for this week's bonus episode from the Let's Talk Dairy webinar series and don't forget to look out for more bonus episodes each week. I'll be back with the usual Dairy Edge podcast on Monday so do listen in then. I'm Stuart Childs and thanks for listening.